the Armchair Cricket Podcast News Roundup. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. In this digest episode, let's take a look at the denouement of IPL 2020, the resumption of PSL 2020, uh, Park vs Zimbabwe international games, uh, some build-up uh, to the India-Australia tour, as well as some other interesting news from around the cricketing world. Let's directly dive into the denouement of the IPL. In the previous episode, we had covered uh, the eliminator as well as the first qualifier. When we now take a quick look at the second qualifier, we know that uh, Delhi Capitals, you know, sort of rediscovered their spark. They were able to dig deep and again, they started appearing like the champion team that they always were. And they comfortably beat Sunrisers Hyderabad. So, the new uh, opening combination for Delhi with Marcus Toynis coming out to open with Thavan clicked and they added uh, 86 runs in very quick time and even though there was a little bit of a dip in between uh, Hetmeyer at the end combined very well with Shikhar Dhawan and then towards the end he hit out by himself and took Delhi to 189 at in that 20 overs and this proved to be a bridge too far as far as sunrises were concerned Williamson hit a very classy 67 Abdul Samad supported him by scoring 33 of just 16 balls there were some useful contributions from Garg as well as Pandey but in the end, Sunrises fell short by 17 runs. When we take a quick look at the bowling, Kagiso Rabada once again came back to form by taking four wickets, one of which was the informed David Warner in the power play. So this meant a mouth-watering contest was set up with Mumbai ready to face Delhi. But right through this tournament, we had seen that Mumbai had the wood over Delhi. And that's how it proved to be also in the final. So we were all very excited. And Delhi Capitals batted first in the final and with Trentbolt and Bumrah opening very strongly, Stoinis was dismissed off his very first ball. And even though Shikhar Dhawan got a few fours away, he was also dismissed by Jayant Yadav. And then, uh, of course, Rahane also was dismissed very quickly. Therefore, Delhi never got off to a very strong start that they needed. Ayer dug in and played really, really well and kept his team sort of going till the very end. Pant also came in at the fall of the third wicket at 22 for 3, you know, it could have been a very, very one-sided final. But Pant and Ayer sort of set up the total. And in the end, I think they missed another power hitter towards the end with Hetmeyer and Aksar Patel not really able to hit out. Uh, they only finished with 156 in their allotted 20 overs. So Trent Bolt finished with three wickets and Nathan Coulter Nile finished with two. Though Bumrah did not take a wicket, he was very parsimonious. And the surprise package, Jayant Yadav, who was included in the final in place of Rahul Chahar, much to many people's amazement, took one for 25 of his four overs. So with a middling sort of a total, these are sort of, you know, not so comfortable chasing. Uh, Mumbai would probably want to put in a good start. And that's exactly what they did. With Captain Rohit Sharma coming good, he made 68 of just 51 balls. It was sort of a similar score to his counterpart, Shreyas Iyer. But I think Rohit Sharma's knock coming at the top of the order was very, very important. De Kock uh, hit out, scored 20 runs in no time, but he was dismissed and so did Surikumar Yadav who sort of kept Rohit Sharma company. But then his dismissal came Ishan Kishan who started hitting out and then together uh, Mumbai comfortably pulled away and towards the end there were no doubts as to who was going to be the winner. There were some last minute hiccups with Pollard and Hardik Pandya getting out, but th- those were just on par for the course. Really, the way 
uh, Mumbai batsman really played out Ashwin in the first couple of his overs, as well as attacked Rabada and Norkia, sort of decided the game. Mumbai finished with their fifth IPL trophy. They turned out to be deserved players. So the player of the match was Trent Bolt for his wonderful opening spell. And surprisingly, the player of the series was Jofra Archer. I think this was based on the impact he had, also how valuable he proved to be for his team. Based on all this, he was voted in as the player of the series. That brings curtains on another season of IPL and Indian cricket fans. I'm sure we are still looking forward to another five to six months time where another IPL will be played and this time in the traditional window in April and May. So now, if you were to take a quick look at the finals of the Women's T20 Challenge. So in this case, Trailblazers were taking on Supernovas, the two-time champions. And, um, you know, batting first, Trailblazers began solidly with Smriti Mandana, the captain, holding fort at one end and Deandra Dottin and then uh, Ritu Ghosh keeping her company. But towards the end, they could not really accelerate. So the run rate never took off and they were only able to make 118 for eight. But having, you know, put some runs on the board, they really bowled well. So it looked like a slow, low pitch and the spinners on both sides were very, very effective with uh, Richa Yadav taking uh, five wickets uh, in the final for uh, Supernovas. But when it came their turn to bat, Supernovas also faced the same issue and the spin of Trailblazers really choked them with, you know, Salma Khatun taking three for 18 and uh, Deepthi Sharma taking two for nine. And they were only able to total 102 for seven in their 20 overs. Only Harman Kaur who made 30, but she took a little bit of time over it. And Sirivardhana who made 19, really made any big contributions. But in the end, it was not going to be enough. So congratulations to Trailblazers, crowned the Women's T20 Challenge champions in the third edition. Now, if you were to take a quick look at the international cricket that happened. So there were two T20Is between Zimbabwe and Pakistan that were played in the interim. And both of these were won comfortably by Pakistan. So both of these were held in Rawalpindi. And in the second T20I, Zimbabwe batted first and they were able to put up 134 for seven in the allotted 20 overs with Rip Burl making 32 and Madhavere making 24. But, you know, this is going to be a very easy chase as far as Pakistan is concerned. That's exactly how it happened. Fakhar Zaman did not have a very good tournament, but Babar Azam was opening with him. Uh, did very well. He scored 51 of just 28 balls. And then Haider Ali, who was promoted to number 3, made 66 of 43 and finished man of the match. And Pakistan took this game comfortably and along with that, the tournament. But of course, there was a third T20 to be played. And this also turned out to be a very, very one-sided affair with Zimbabwe put into bat first again, only able to make 129 for 9. This time, uh, Chibaba made 31, the skipper. And Donald Tiripano in the end hit out to make 28. But again, you know, chasing just around runner ball, it was going to be not a problem at all for Pakistan. When it came to their bowling, Usman Kadir actually shone right through the tournament. And in the last of the matches, he took four for 13. It must be said, Usman Kadir, the son of the great Abdul Kadir, has begun very well in his international career for Pakistan. And we really wish that he goes on from strength to strength. In their chase, Abdullah Shafiq opened in place of uh, Babar Azam. And Fakhar Zaman made 21 and Abdullah Shafiq 41 not out. And Haider Ali and Khustil Shah made good contributions to ensure that this was going to be a comfortable victory for Pakistan. Pakistan take the series 3-0. Now, if you were to take a quick look at the ongoing PSL games. So, uh, if you remember, PSL had four games left and they had to be postponed due to the Corona scare. As a result, now with sort of more uh, conducive conditions cropping up, 
PSL has been resumed. And in the first qualifier, the top two teams, Multan Sultans and Karachi Kings met each other. And it was going to be sort of, we expected two heavyweights, but sort of coming off the bench and not very, you know, not very much in match practice. But uh, Multan Sultans batting first made 141 for seven with Ravi Bopara making 40 and uh, some useful contributions down the lower order. But then when we look at the chase, Karachi Kings, you know, it must be said took the scenic route to victory. This is the headline in one of the sporting websites. And indeed, Babar Azam made a very, very useful 65 of just 53 balls right at the top. He was well supported by uh, Alex Hales, who made 22, as well as Imad Vaseem, the skipper who made 27 unbeaten. And in the end, with five required of one ball, Imad Vaseem was able to flick a four down the leg and, you know, tie the game. So for all purposes this game was one comfortable by karachi kings they somehow contrived to almost lose it but then they tied the game but then they were able to win it comfortably in the super over so in the super over sohel tanvir bowled it for multan sultans but he conceded 13 runs and that was a bridge too far therefore karachi kings win the first qualifier and qualify to play in the finals of psl 2020 whom they'll meet well let's take a look first eliminator was a very very good contest in which Lahore Kalandas proved to be too strong for Peshawar Zalmi. So Peshawar Zalmi batting first made a very challenging 170 for 9. So Shoaib Malik made 39 runs and Gerhard Villian, fast bowler, hit out to make 37 of just 16 in the end. Fafti Plessy also made a useful 31 and that meant the score was going to be very challenging. But then Tamim Iqbal started out in a quick fashion for Lahore Kalandas. The skipper Sohel Akhtar who was batting at three failed but Mohammad Hafiz had a wonderful day. He scored 74 of just 46 balls and then Ben Dunk, Samit Patel and David Visa kept him company and in the end won the game with an over to spare for Lahore Kalandars. So well, Shoaib Malik seemed to have also opened the bowling in this case but all in all it looks like at least he made a point as far as the selectors were concerned. We are going to notice later in the podcast why but it looks like maybe you know this bright Pakistan player's career is eventually coming to a close here. In the second eliminator, where, you know, the winner of the first eliminator faced the loser of the qualifier. So Lahore Kalandas were pitted against Multan Sultans. And in this case, Lahore Kalandas batted first. And they were off to a breezing start, thanks to Tamim Iqbal, who made 30 of 20. And then Fakhar Saman, who sort of started slow, but in the end picked up pace along with Mohammad Hafiz. Even though... Mohammad Hafiz and Fakhar Zaman, who had made 46, were dismissed sort of very close to each other. Samit Patel, who made 26, and then David Visa, who made a wonderful 48 of just 21 balls, took them to a very strong 182 for 6. So Multan Sultans, who were really up against it, uh, made a strong start as well, thanks to Adam Lyth, who made 50 of 29 balls, but then got out immediately. Shan Masood sort of set up uh, very well, but then could not carry on and it just made 27. Relay Rosso the same with 18. And then Khushdil Shah towards the end hit out, but it was going to be a very difficult chase for them and they only were able to make 157 all out in the last over. So this means, you know, this has been a long anticipated uh, final for all PSL fans. Lahore and Karachi get to face off with each other. The game is going to be played on 17th, that is tomorrow. And uh, we'll take a look at how the final went in one of the upcoming episodes. Now, if you were to take a quick look at some of the you know upcoming tours, so we know that there's an India-Australia tour coming up. We know that Virat Kohli and uh, his wife Anushka Sharma are expecting a baby and it looks like Virat Kohli has been granted paternity leave and he'll be leaving the tour at the end of the first test. So he'll be available for the limited overs leg 
but after the first test he'll be coming back home that means in this four test series india will have the services of kohli only for the first test but then after that maybe ajinkya rahane will take over as the skipper of this squad another important news having proved his fitness in the games leading up to the final as well as in the final rohit sharma has been added back to the test squad so this is a very useful addition as far as you know indian test squad goes it also remains to be seen if he'll also be a part of the limited over squads and that is very important because we know how destructive and how experienced rohit sharma is when it comes to all formats of cricket india and india would definitely welcome him back into the 11s in the australian squad at least when it comes to the test match squad so we have seen two new names being added so in this case sean abbott uh, has been brought back into the squad will pukowski the very promising opener who has made two double hundreds in two first class games and of course it remains to be seen if pukowski will start off uh, in the 11 but at least as things stand joe burns who's the incumbent will probably open along with the more established david warner so this is going to be a very exciting test series as far as all fans are concerned because this is a full strength australian squad that sort of also hurting from the loss that they suffered at indian test team's hands last time india toured so it's going to be a really needle contest so we are all really looking forward to this when we look at some of the news from around the cricketing world babar azam has been appointed as the test captain of pakistan therefore making him uh, all format captain it makes sort of sense that uh, we knew that in our last episode we had discussed azhar ali will probably be replaced with either one of babar azam or you know the keeper mohammad rizwan but it looks like the pakistan cricket board have gone on the side of caution and have decided to give the opportunity to babar azam to become an all format leader we wish babar azam all the best at the beginning of his test captaincy and when we look at the test squad that has been assembled or let's say the squad that has been assembled for pakistan to tour new zealand there are some notable absentees ashad shafiq has been left out mohammad amir and shoaib malik have also been left out so these are some very very experienced names but pakistan has decided in a very big squad of 35 people that are touring new zealand it has been decided that there will be some new blood that will be introduced so fast bowler amat bhat and middle order batsman danish aziz and imran bhat as well as the wicketkeeper batsman rohel nazir have all been named in the squad well it looks like pakistan have turned the corner as far as some of the more experienced names are concerned and it really comes as a bit of a blow as far as asad shafiq is concerned he could really not get up to the level that his peers and his let's say his followers and fans would have wanted but he's been a very solid servant of pakistan cricket for a long time and we really hope he can come back into the squad again when it comes to mohammad amir and shoaib malik these two are sort of only playing limited overs games and shoaib malik more or less just t20 games considering his age and probably his utility it looks like pakistan have decided to move on but mohammad amir is an entirely different case he retired from test cricket and it looks like pakistan selectors have decided to you know leave him out because it looks like he's not been very penetrative in the recently concluded t20 championship that uh, was held in pakistan also it looks like some of his returns over the last year or so from limited overs games are not very impressive so pakistan have decided to move on so whether these players will be able to fight at least when it comes to ashish shafiq and mohammad amir it remains to be seen but when it comes to shoaib malik it must be said maybe this is the end of a very very long and a very productive career for him so let's see how that goes now if you were to move on uh, there are two front runners that have emerged as far as the icc chairperson election is concerned it has come down to between greg barkley who's let's say the dark horse and of course the icc's current interim chairman imran khwaja 
So it remains to be seen which of these two would probably be elected a chairman. There are a lot of uh, thoughts and a lot of rumors going around that maybe it'll take more than one round of ballot to actually decide because a two-third majority is required for a chairperson to be nominated. So let's see how this goes and maybe in one of the upcoming episodes we'll have some news for you as well. When we look at some of the new features that are being introduced in the BBL, so they have come up with the concept of a power surge, which is effectively a power play, but in this case, it'll be a six hours power play, or let's say six hours power surge, where the first four hours of the innings will be mandatorily a power play, but then the remaining two hours can be taken anywhere between the 11th and the 20th hour of the innings. So this means the power play can also be put in a place where maybe near the slot or to give some batsman a kickoff. So this is a very interesting concept. Another one is an X-Factor. So X-Factor is nothing but a super sub, but the super sub can only be introduced after the 10th hour of uh, the game. But that will mean it can only be the 12th or the 13th player and the player that will be replaced would not have either batted in the game or could not have bowled more than one over. So because it happens at the halfway mark of an innings, it's going to be very interesting how this is going to affect the outcome. And the other one is something called a bash boost, which basically means the comparison of how the teams are faring at the 10th hour mark also takes one point out of how many points are assigned to the winner. So the winner will get three, but the other one point will be given to the team that is ahead at the end of 10 hour comparisons. So if whichever team that has a higher score will get this additional point. All of these are very interesting, very interesting changes and we'll see how they affect the BBL in this year. So all of these are sort of attributed to Trent Woodhill, who's BBL's player acquisition and cricket consultant. So it remains to be seen whether they have a very you know positive sort of an impact as far as BBL is concerned. Now in the next step of the Cricket South Africa struggle saga, it looks like the interim board that has been appointed by the uh, Olympics Committee of South Africa and which has been approved by the minister has been rejected by CSS board or the CSS members council. So this basically means the Olympics Committee of South Africa would have to pick a new team and whether that's what they will do or whether the CSA will be forced to accept this team, all of these things will still be decided and we are all looking forward to see how it's going to end. Now, in some very interesting news for the World Test Championship, who will really contest the finals of the World Test Championship is now going to be decided in a unique way. It's going to be decided based on the percentage of points earned, given that such a lot of cricket has been lost. This can be a very unique way of deciding. So the number of points that were available versus those earned will be the deciding factor, not the total number of points earned. So this is going to be a percentage and it looks like New Zealand at least are back in reckoning. So earlier we knew and we had discussed that England and India will be the two teams who will probably benefit if a lot of cricket is lost because their test series are not getting affected. But now with this percentage scheme being introduced, it looks like again, it might not be so clear who will be playing the finals. So that means the remaining games between now and June of 2021 will take extra, extra value and all the teams will be very keen to win this. We'll be looking at how it goes. But as things stand, India and England are really well placed. But Australia are also having a very good percentage of points earned. And then New Zealand, if they win all their home games in the upcoming summer, have a very, very good chance of finishing either second or even first ahead of, let's say, England, England or India. So this is going to be a very, very interesting thing for us Test Match Cricket fans to look forward to. Those are all the news that we would like to cover in this episode and we would like to thank all our fans for staying tuned and if you have any thoughts that you would like to share with us don't hesitate to reach out 
you could either let us know what your thoughts are on Twitter at armchairfreakpod or via mail armchairdoctorcat at gmail.com or you could also leave it as a comment on any of the podcasting apps you use to listen to our podcast. Also, if you like our podcast, please do leave a good rating for us and it always helps us, for example, on iTunes and on other major podcasting platforms. Thanks for your company. I would like to wish you a good day. I'm your host, Ajit. And until the next episode, bye-bye. The Armchair Cricket Podcast. News Roundup.